0: Prepping 2.0. The third world is an early indicator for what we can expect here at home. Massive food shortages or skyrocketing prices tend to occur in third world countries before they occur in the United States.
1: When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0. With authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready, Prepping 2.0 coming in 3, 2, 1. Welcome everyone, this
2: is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, And again, normally, this is when I say welcome to my co-host in life and co-host on the show, Glenn Tate. He is not with us today for two reasons. One, he's not here. That's obvious. Two, um, as many of you know, we're moving, and half of the studio has been disassembled. So it's just me, <laughs> which is great. The, the bus is moving forward. It feels really good to get to the end of our move that we've been talking about for, it seems like, Yeah, since the beginning of the year. Um, So just so you know, that's what's going on. But I'm really excited. Today's guest is one of our ongoing guests that we have when it's time to have him on. And that's Dan, the food industry guy. Dan, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Shelby. Thanks for having me.
2: Oh, I'm so glad. I love I love having you. You bring so much knowledge that... I was telling you this off the air, I just sit and listen. Dan sent to myself and to Glenn a few days ago um, a little outline, a little update on what's going on. And I have to say, just so listeners know, we check in with him often, hey, is there anything that we should know about? And Dan's honest, he'll say, no, it's kinda status quo, you know, just kinda, no- nothing's changed that people should know about. Well, this last email, there's there's more happening. And so, um, real quick before I ask my first question, I want to give a, I always like to do this, give a quick shout out to one of our great sponsors. Um, I'm going to say a big shout out to Minute Men Coffee, because if you can't tell, I've had a little bit of that today. Love Minute Men Coffee. They are fueling the Glenn and Shelby move right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm not sleeping great. (laughs) It's a lot of stress, so encourage you to go over and check them out. They're great patriots over there. They're great supporters of the American way of life and all the things that um, we as preppers hold near and dear to our hearts. Encourage you to use the coupon code I miss America. You get fifteen percent off your entire order. Other great sponsor of ours, love them too. EMP Shield. They have developed a device that you can connect to your device, whether it be your car, your home, and uh, makes it so that it protects your devices from either an EMP or a coronal mass ejection. And use the coupon code PREPPING2.0 at checkout. And you get $50 off, not just your order, each device that you purchase. So it that can add up pretty quickly. So encourage you to check them out. So Dan, I want to ask you, and, I, and I'm and i there's a lot of stuff happening internationally and normally I just kind of ignore it because I care about what's happening in my own backyard and you have a different take on that. What's going on?
0: Yeah, and uh, thanks again for having me on, Shelby. The, the international situation is uh, something that uh, I've been concerned about for some time. Really, there have been three or four areas that have been concerning and the international situation as it relates to the US is particularly concerning. Uh, one of the things that uh, I would point out is that with most goods, the the third world uh, is an early indicator for what we can expect here at home. And what I mean by that is when you see uh, massive food shortages or skyrocketing prices, uh, those things tend to occur in third world countries before they occur in the United States. Um, Food riots elsewhere don't translate necessarily to food riots in the United States, but it does show a lot of international strain and the canaries in the coal mine for a strained food supply, and not just food, but, but most durable goods, typically starts affecting the third world first. So what we're seeing right now is we're seeing, just to run through a couple quickly, Uh, Lebanon has massive food shortages. About 77% of their population can't afford food. Um, Their food inflation is about 400%. Um, South Africa is in the same basic situation. You've got countries like Cuba, uh, South Sudan, Central African Republic, uh, Yemen, Syria, Zimbabwe. (laughs) There's a lot of countries out there um, that are really struggling to feed their people. And their food inflation is absolutely through the roof uh, to varying degrees now a lot of those countries uh, have a lot of other things going on right there's political unrest in south africa and cuba for example but a lot of those things are exacerbated due to skyrocketing food prices so here in the us we can look out internationally and see 15 to 20 countries right now in the third world that are really struggling with their food security and with their prices and say that's an early warning indicator for us that we need to expect those stresses here. Typically in America, that means higher prices more than anything else. It means that we will have to outbid everyone else for, uh, you know, rice from Southeast Asia, for example, among other things. So, um,
2: so if I can ask a question, because yes, I, um. When you say some of these countries like Zimbabwe and South Africa, these are yes. typically countries, like you said, that have, I mean, we've all seen the ads, you know, help feed a child in these countries right. or whatever. And what you're saying is, is that the difference this time compared to mm-hmm. before is that um, the inflation is what is is the game changer there. Is that correct?
0: That's a big part of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a big part of it. But at the same time with the supply chain issues Mm -hmm. that the entire world has dealt with, uh, it's not necessarily directly tied to inflation. It's more of a scarcity issue. Okay. Um, So some of these countries, uh, you know, these are countries that typically have a lot of issues anyway. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Um, Some of them, yes, their currency is greatly devalued, others not so much. Uh, They just can't purchase, they can't compete on the international market for food and food supplies that are not as plentiful as they were before. Uh especially when you consider countries like China, China is massively increasing their grain buying uh, and their protein buying as well uh, over the last uh, well really for this harvest. They're mm-hmm. buying at this harvest uh at a rapid rate everywhere they can get it. So these other countries are getting squeezed out because as the supply dwindles, the, uh, the wealthiest and the strongest get theirs first
2: yep. and these other countries don't. Absolutely. So that's what
0: we're, we're looking at right now. Um, internationally, the, what? the world economic forum, which I am no fan of, mm-hmm. but they do have some decent statistics from time to time, uh, says that, uh, off the top of my head, about 77, 78 million people in 2019 had what they call acute food insecurity. Basically that's starvation. It's, it's, these people are probably going to die or, or maybe be saved, but they're absolutely facing starvation. So we went, we went from 77 million in 2019 to about a hundred million last year. And they're thinking it's going to be North of 140 million this year. Um, so when you've got that many people worldwide in acute food insecurity, uh, that's, that's an indicator that you've at least got a billion to a billion and a half that are really struggling to find food they just aren't quite starving yet so those things have uh, great repercussions around the globe
2: um, wow like i told you like i told you in, in the email
0: before we get started this is the macro show <laughs> i yeah. don't have uh, i don't have a lot of Hey, you're not going to be able to find green beans anymore. Type of information, right? Uh, but there's a lot of big things happening, and that's that's kind of covered today.
2: And I probably should have said that, listeners. Hey, we're not going to do a deep dive into what's going on with peaches. <laughs> we're not going <gonna, laughs> right. to, you know, and where how to get the top on the top of a ketchup squirt bottle. No, this is going to be right. worldwide trends. And and I think that that's logical because that's that's we we you kind of gave that hint at, on the show that we had you on last which was my goodness it seems like ages ago it was like last September or so when you said no this is going to mm-hmm. start affecting the worldwide stage and here we are yeah so right. the, so the next question we're going to get off the international stage here so I did a show recently um, where I kind of piggybacked and did some commentary on a show that Glenn Beck did on the Meat Mafia, and and I don't need mm-hmm. you to, you, oh, I think I've covered that enough, but he definitely does, he, Glenn Beck, really hit on US uh, inventory levels. You hinted, mm-hmm. You've hinted. you hinted at that at every time we've had you on, so where are we at with that right now?
0: Sure, yeah, inventory levels is something I think I've mentioned every time I've been mm-hmm. on. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so inventory levels right now are worse than they've ever been since the stat began, which I believe was 92, 91, 92, mm-hmm. is when, uh, Fred, uh, the St. Louis fed, uh, data site started monitoring us inventory levels. So now what they monitor is all retail. So that is the sporting goods store. It's the grocery store. It's the hardware store. It's just inventory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Inventory levels typically hover around 1.5 to 1.6. And what that means is that there are 1.5 to 1.6 months of inventory virtually ready to go. So that's on the store shelves, in the distribution centers, in the warehouses, etc. cetera. Um, last spring, during the, uh, the COVID rush, uh, all the people who weren't preppers rushing out and becoming preppers, or they thought they were, Um, that pushed our inventory levels down to about 1.2. Okay. So last spring was about a 0.3 to 0.4 drop. Well, right now we're at 1.0. Um, so what that means is we've gone from a month and a half to a little over that of inventory on backlog to about one month. And that's nationally on all categories. So that may not sound like a lot. and, And for people not, in the industry it's like okay 1.5 to 1.0 no big deal but what that means is that we've lost two weeks from our typical supply our six-week supply and as prices continue to escalate which we'll talk about that later too mm-hmm. uh, as freight and shipping goes up as it's doing right now um, as inflation keeps you know taking bites out of things that number is going to keep shrinking it, it the charts uh, you can look at the St. Louis Fred and and um and look at this stat for yourself. The chart looks like a lightning bolt going straight down is what the chart looks like.
2: Yeah, I was he sent uh, me folks, he sent me a link <laughs> and I looked at it I think and, I, Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, you did. And yeah, it is hovering at this you know, since nineteen ninety one when this started. Just hovering up mm-hmm. there it drops a little bit in the two thousand and teens. And then mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a drop. It's like Oh, my goodness, gravy. It's like a canyon yeah. on the right end of that chart. It's kind of frightening. Yeah. So, anyway, yes, go it, ahead. Yeah,
0: it is. And, and the inventory levels are influenced by many other things, right? There's international buying pressures that are making it more difficult to get what we need to get. We, we, we've kind of covered that mm-hmm. in the past, so we don't want to have to rehash it. But inventory levels are not not in a good way uh, in the United States. And, and, you know, the reason I bring that up in particular is because all of the factors that are contributing to low inventory levels uh, are are not going to ease up anytime in the near future. Um, All of the pressures on freight shipping, inflation, uh, all of the supply chain breakdowns we see globally, those are going to continue. Uh, Most of them are in what's called a doom loop anyway, where they're guaranteed to continue to get worse. Uh, now, maybe we get down to 0.8 and 0.7 and start kind of bottoming out there. I, I don't know. I don't have any way of knowing that. But inventory levels are absolutely plummeting and that's something that everyone should know. Um, you know, if you're going to, if you've been thinking about, you know, we need to get X. Well, now's probably a great time to do that if it's available mm-hmm. because X might be at 0.1 or it could be at 1.5. You don't know and I don't know either because that data is not made available. Um, but inventory levels are certainly concerning. Um, basic supply and demand too, right? As the supply decreases and demand stays steady, well, we know what happens with prices there. Yeah. Even outside of typical inflationary pressures. Um, so definitely something to um, to keep an eye on for sure.
2: In in. The- I can ask this too I think it's a little bit and this is me asking you food is a little bit different of a beast because it's a consumable it's not just for example I needed to buy a new printer I have to order it and wait six weeks sound familiar Uh that yes that's not a consumable I'm gonna buy a printer and hopefully it'll last a lot longer than my last one did but Food, if I buy, a, you know, I don't know, a pound of apples this week, I might need another pound of apples. So I feel like food is, has a higher burn rate. I don't know if that's the w- right way to phrase it, but yeah. Yeah, and it's a necessity. Yeah, it absolutely
0: yeah. does. And, and consumer, uh, any kind of consumables, which typically that includes everything from toilet paper to mm-hmm. toothpaste to food to bottled beverages, right? Consumables do have a very high burn rate just because very few people stock up on those things. Mm-hmm. And so you have a higher retailer-level burn rate on those things because the typical person only buys two or three days' worth of groceries at a time. Um, if everyone bought once a month, technically the burn rate's the same, but the stress on the retailer's less. Um, right. So, yes, you're, you're correct in your, your assumption there.
2: So, wait a minute. So, if I stockpile, I don't know because I might be a prepper, food for <laughs> a month, mm-hmm. that actually – provides ease on the retailer really that is not what the news is telling me unless
0: you get into a last spring type scenario Uh, where everyone does it okay but the the further out the purchases are spread and the bigger the purchase is retailers would never tell you this because well they have their reasons but Mm -hmm. Retailers will not tell you this, but what happens is if ordering, if the retailers are able to order larger quantities of things less frequently, it's cheaper for them. Oh. So if I can order a truckload of peaches, Mm -hmm. right, and I can bring it to my distribution center, that's a lot cheaper for me than if I bring in a quarter truck and I have to find something else to fill in the gaps, so with the retailers increasingly going to less of a just in time delivery system after COVID, which is a, which is a great thing that came out of COVID was retailers are building warehouses sporadically and they are keeping a little more in their stores than they used to. So in that time frame, if, if you're buying decent size quantities that allow them to calculate that and order larger quantities, that's a cost saving measure. Um, over what they've had to do specifically because freight rates have gone through the roof. Five years ago, that would not be the case. Freight was cheap five years ago. Mm -hmm. But now what's happening is the the cost-saving benefits of the just-in-time delivery system are being overshadowed by skyrocketing shipping and freight. So now it's not nearly as profitable and it's not nearly as cost-saving as it was a few years ago
2: there you go preppers there's your <laughs> I'm kidding there's your vindication I'm kidding so we have a few minutes yeah. before we need to take a break and and I think we're going to sure. s- end up spending a lot of well let me before we go on to our next topic I'm going to give a quick shout out to a, one or two more sponsors who I love because they're great folks um, we have Jared Savick um, many of you remember him we had him on our show I don't know last December talking about how to um, find a good prepping property he and his wife know what it takes um, to make a good prepping property whether it be something you want to build or turnkey and they are based out of Kalispell, Montana but don't let that stop you. You can um, check with them and they can tell you great places in town out of town and way out of town and you can find them at Seize the Day Montana Seize the Day MT.com and when you send an email to them tell them that Glenn and Shelby sent you and along those same lines we have another great realtor Lizzie McDaniel she did a We'll be right back. the cat sat on the video bonus show recently with Glenn Tate and super awesome gal over there in Tennessee Um, you can find her in uh, Glenn Tate he spent so much time putting together redstaterealtors.com click on Tennessee and you'll see her there and check out some of the other red states I know that's a a big thing that's happening all over the country right now people are moving to red states we are trying to bring to you the great realtors in those states to check out so and Lizzie's one of the best in Tennessee, and um, several of you have, have uh, called her up. So be sure to tell her as well that Glenn and Shelby sent you. Um, so we have a few minutes here, and uh, we're going to spend a lot on this because this has been the he- in the headlines a lot, and um, and I think all of us at this point, well, we know there's truth in the headlines, we know there's untruth. Uh, so inflation and shortages. Let's just where w- give us the lowdown on that, Dan.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, outside of macro level inflation that we're seeing, right, Mm -hmm. the CPI and things like that within the food industry, uh, producer price inflation in particular is nearly doubling what the government's official numbers for CPI is saying. So producer price inflation was up 7.3 percent in June uh, which is the biggest compared to last year, which is the biggest year over year increase, uh, on record. So the prices to the producer are skyrocketing far more than what you're seeing on the shelf. If a producer gets hit with a 10% price inflation, they do everything in their power not to pass that along to the consumer. Um, because a lot of consumers are not going to handle that, that price jump. Um, I, real inflation is a lot higher than government numbers. Um, our costs at, at my company have skyrocketed, uh, particularly in the last six months. Um, and, and we're feeling it. I don't know a single food company, yet, and I know a lot of them. Uh, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of these people. We all go to the same events and see each other at the same food shows and that type of thing. They are all raising prices fairly significantly. Um, You see announced, right? Well, General Mills is raising prices 10%, Pepsi's raising prices, et cetera. Uh, But even the companies that aren't announcing it are doing it because the stresses on the supply chain have only increased uh, this year. Um, That's going to lead to some level of shortages. Um, You know, certain areas of the country are reporting shortages here and there, and it's pretty sporadic right now. But at the same time, the international pressures, the continual shutdowns uh, all over the world, you know, we get countries that open up and then their neighboring country shuts down. Um, The fact that a ship can go from, you know, China and it goes down to the Philippines and goes to Australia and it comes to the United States and then it goes to Mexico and every single country has different policies, different wait times, different everything. It's just the whole supply chain is completely messed up right now. Mm -hmm. And that's causing prices to jump significantly. um, Really just in everything. I mean, packaging is more expensive. We've talked about that. It's not as uh, unavailable as it once was, but it's a lot more expensive. Um, Commodities are way up, you know, coffee, pork, you name it. The prices are just through the roof right now um a lot of that goes back to labor uh you know food companies need to turn out a lot of product as cheaply as possible um we we don't have typically speaking you know the food industry isn't sitting on 75 percent margins right like some electronics companies are um food industry typically operates on very very slim margins um, because if you start Increasing your margin, another company is going to come along really quickly and smack you down, and you're going to lose a lot of market share. Um, if people just don't handle food price increases very well, unless you're in the premium or specialty space. Um, so, for these companies, uh, you know they're trying their best not to raise prices, but what's happening and what has happened over the last, uh, you know, 12 to 14 months or so is many, many, many of these companies have gone out of business.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yes,
0: Particularly the smaller and the mid-sized companies. Um, food companies, and I say food companies to mean producers, manufacturers, you name it, just everyone kind of in that space. Especially those who relied on food service in any way for their income. Um, you know, if, if your income was half food service and half brick and mortar retail, you, you got yeah. destroyed over the past year.
2: Well, don't go. I'm going to stop. A lot of those have
0: gone out of business.
2: I'm going to stop you right there. We it seems like we just got started. I got (laughs) to cut you off there. We got to take a quick break. But yeah, I want to talk more about that. Um, We have so much more to cover. Don't go away, folks. uh, We're going to take a quick break.
1: More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com.
2: Shelby Gallagher here, we found that you need to layer your food preps.
3: Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love new mana foods, which have a 25 year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also organic meals are available
2: new mana comes in family style portions and in bulk this is not backpacking food it's family meals that last for at least 25 years the perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering
3: you can get a sample of new mana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself you will be amazed
2: prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10 percent discount by entering the code prep
3: go to newmana.com or click the link on the prepping 2.0 website
2: Give it a try, numana.com. That is N U
1: M A N N A dot com. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page. Then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word.
3: PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Looking to meet other like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own prepper group? Already have a group? Join Pre- PrepperNet. PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet has gathered the biggest names in the industry to help unite preppers everywhere. Join John Jacob Schmidt, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Charlie Hogwood, Samuel Culper, Survivor Jane, Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, and Brian Duff. Our team is united. Check us out at PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. Katie Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT.
1: Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome
2: back, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0. Sadly, without my co-host on the show and co-host in life, uh, Glenn Tate, he's not with us today. But that's all right. We have Dan, the food industry guy. We were just talking about inflation. And like um, we talked about before, we're not going to go into why it's hard to find ketchup bottles and why it's hard to find clamshells for takeout food, which we've typically done on shows that we've had Dan on. This is more... Macro, Big, overarching trends that are happening now that are affecting us. I think none of us would say, hey, no, I haven't noticed any price increases. Hmm, I can still get ketchup for 50 cents a bottle. No, you can't. I can go into a store and buy a computer. Hmm you sure <laughs> you have to order it uh so we're starting to see what we were talking about well over a year ago happening and um sadly dan has already told us the bad news there's no end in sight there's no oh, okay we're gonna go back and fix this and you know have a good quarter and it'll fix it all nope folks this is the long haul so but anyway let's pick up where we left off there on inflation where would you like to go dan this is so fascinating
3: Sure. Yeah.
0: Let me uh, put a little bit of a finer point on the the companies that Mm. have been closing. Yes. And then we can uh, continue on to other things that are informing that inflation and causing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are no good firm numbers on how many food manufacturing companies have closed uh, in the last 15 months or so since COVID became a thing. But it's it's been thousands of restaurants and hundreds or thousands, my guess would be in the thousands of food manufacturing companies. Um, most grocery chains cut their product selection by 30 to 35 percent. If you were in that 30 to 35 percent, you lost your income from that. If you were selling to food service, you lost that income. So there's a lot of things like that that have that have decimated these small to mid-sized uh, food manufacturing companies, uh, not just in the U S but really worldwide. Um, so that's really complicating the issue because, uh, you know, consumer demand has not dropped <laughs> for, food, no. right. It has not, but now they're pulling from larger companies, uh, that have to attempt to ramp up production in the face of severe, uh, price increases and severe, uh, increases in labor costs as well. So similar to how, uh, covid shutdowns really destroyed the mom and pop main street type uh, businesses all across the country that happened in food too so there's just not you know heinz has no longer has a competitor right in, in a lot of what they're selling and that makes our supply chain weaker because if heinz uh, has issues with supply there's no one to fill those gaps um anyway we can we can move on i just want to put a little bit of a finer
2: point oh on, for sure on that
0: um Anyway, so other things um, is uh, I've talked about some shortages, but one of the things that's happening, too, is uh, grocery chains and distributors and food service as well have all been attempting to order at 25 to 30 percent above uh, what would be be considered baseline for this time of year. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to uh, get theirs and stockpile a Mm -hmm. little bit. Because a lot of these chains have built warehouses to hold greater supplies. So the ordering pressure on a lot of these companies is only going up. And a lot of companies quite simply can't meet that supply. A lot of restaurants, for example, are going to QR code menus. I don't know if you've seen that in the Pacific Northwest or not.
2: Yes, we have. That,
0: That happened a little bit a couple of years ago but now it's it's really going mainstream. And you know, a, a big reason for that is, oh, it's cleaner, it's just a piece of paper, you take a picture and throw it away. But uh, another reason for that is because a lot of restaurants have had such issues with the supply chain, getting what they have ordered to them through their distributors, that sometimes their menu changes every couple of days. Oh
2: yeah, I've seen that too. And,
0: Absolutely. You know what? We're going to serve uh, hamburgers and, you know, I'm in Texas, right? So steak and chicken fried steak and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But if you can't get chicken fried steak, you have to take that off your menu real fast. Yeah. And so that's what's happening a lot is these restaurants in particular are having to be very agile in what they can offer their customers. But behind that is a, a failed company or a company that simply can't meet demand. Right. When those things happen, prices go up significantly. So yes. that's informing the food inflation as well.
2: So just so um, you know, folks, my dog is here in the office with us. So in case you heard a barking in the background, somebody walked by. So no, I'm not being attacked by a werewolf or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I've noticed that and uh, probably so as, as you're talking though, Dan, I'm sure listeners are doing this too. They're like thinking about, oh yeah, I am seeing that the QR codes and just driving through the area that I live in. Again, this is Washington State, so the opening back up has been slow and political. But restaurants are open, but I can drive down the main drag. Closed, 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 closed. These are all restaurants that a year and a half ago were vibrant and open and had an awesome menu. They're all closed down. I will say this. When I go to Montana and all of the trips that I'm taking to move there, restaurants are humming humming open you gotta put in reservations uh, you gotta get there early um, but I will speak to this in Montana they do steak pretty good too I don't know how it compares to Texas beef but it's pretty doggone good there I ordered uh, a steak with um, shrimp skewers and the gals, they didn't have a QR code there so she couldn't jump on this but she's like anything that has shrimp or shellfish it's not, sorry folks gonna have to order something else I mean, yeah and they, she wasn't able to turn her menu, menu over quick enough. So, and so I, I'm sure there's several listeners going through, you know, going, Oh, that makes sense. Because I was at this restaurant recently and I noticed all those were closed. So, wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, so yeah, keep going. What, where else are we going to, what other trends along this whole, how this all affects us within the whole, you know, umbrella of inflation?
0: Sure. Yeah. And a, a big thing that's going on right now, too, and I've touched on it a couple of times, is in um, shipping and freight.
2: Yes. Um,
0: shipping and freight is a big, big deal. Um, you know, you may not think that the uh, <laughs> the Baltic Dry Index, which tracks freight costs, is, is that big of a deal. But it is. And in my world, it is because you're bringing in components uh, internationally, even if it's just packaging and things like that. So shipping and freight uh is really in a bad way right now so the baltic dry index is kind of your gold standard for tracking freight costs Mm -hmm. uh typically what that does is it's tracking uh, you know container loads and such right it's they're not tracking your ups uh guy delivering amazon packages but freight uh, is around the 12-year highs Uh, the last time the baltic dry index was higher was 2008.
2: oh Um, we all remember that year don't we
0: I feel like something happened in 2008. I just can't remember what it was. Um, Anyway, (laughs) so the average cost of freight, which is a 40 foot box, a 40 foot uh, container from Shanghai to Los Angeles right now uh, is about $10,000, right? To get your container full of goods to Los Angeles is about 10,000. The five year average is about 2000 dollars So 5X. Um, Shanghai to New York is running about 12K, the average is about twenty five hundred. Um, the composite freight benchmark is sitting at about eight thousand five hundred, uh, and the five year average is like eighteen hundred, roughly. So you're seeing these. Usually, you're seeing four to five times the cost. I've seen container costs from China to the U S. of over twenty thousand dollars.
2: That's insane. Um, that's almost that's double. More than double, it's, it's, depending on the well. Start.
0: The average is about two thousand. Yeah, <laughs> so, so so the five-year average, anyway. Right. So what we're seeing is the freight costs are absolutely going through the roof, and and you know what? To be honest, there's nothing that you touch in America that doesn't have international ties. Right. Um, there just isn't. Even things that are made in America are put in a bag that was not made in America. Or you know some of their dyes in that Made in America T-shirt are probably not from America, mm-hmm, right? right? So everything you touch is has international ties, and when shipping and freight is this expensive and this backed up, that's just too much for companies to to absorb. It has to be passed on to the consumer. So so, so let me, let me that's just, a huge huge problem right now. So let me
2: ask the dumb question. You're saying something we've all heard. What's causing all the shipping freight costs to go up? Is there any one thing or is it a handful of factors or what is it exactly?
0: Yeah, yeah there's a basket of things. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the issues that most people probably don't don't, don't register is um, there's there's some real steel shortages. so just yes. creating the containers is a problem. Um, a, a lot of companies and a lot of organizations are being forced to use containers. Beyond what their lifespan is supposed to be, mm-hmm. because there's steel shortages globally right now, so steel is expensive. So the containers themselves cost more, but really, a lot of it is labor. Um, you know, we we here in the U.S. we're well aware of uh, unemployment benefits, enhanced unemployment benefits, and stimulus checks, and what our government has been doing. But really, the entire developed world has been doing the exact same thing. So labor is a huge, huge problem right now. Um, There are not nearly as many dock workers. We just don't have the human infrastructure that we need to um, efficiently and quickly move this freight. So what's happening is there's massive delays in getting things anywhere. Well, that leads to greater cost, right? Because your, your, um, your tanker is just sitting there off the coast you know, hauling who knows what, as opposed to unloading and getting on to the next job. Um, so that's happening a lot. The labor thing is a huge, huge problem really globally uh, right now. There are conflicting requirements regarding COVID all over the world. I mean, every, you can see it in the U.S., right? Los Angeles County just announced a couple of days ago mm-hmm. that they're uh, requiring masks again, indoors, vaccinated or not. Well- Uh, A couple of counties over, they're definitely not going to do that, right? Right. So you've got massively conflicting requirements all over the globe. So you may set out from Australia, headed up to India, for example. And when you get there, you learn that, oh, now India is going to make you sit there for two weeks and be tested every three days, your entire crew, before you can offload anything to make sure you don't have some new variant of COVID running among your crew. Mm-hmm. And one guy has a fever, guess what, that, that you're going to sit there two more weeks out in the bay waiting until you can offload. So those kinds of things lead to dramatically increased costs. Um, there is a lot of political pressures too right now globally. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's kind of familiar with what's going on with China, but a lot of countries are uh, tightening their belts, so to speak, uh, at home, because of these pressures, a lot of countries are worried about feeding their people, and they're not allowing exports of certain things. Um, yeah, usually, kind of on a rolling basis. Um, you know, hey, we're not exporting rice for 60 days period. Sorry, you have to sell it domestically. So you may have ordered rice from uh, from Vietnam, but then you're just not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. You may be. You may have a. You may have a, a shipload of it halfway to Los Angeles. And it has to turn around and go back. Well, we just wasted a ship, and that happens a lot more than people think it does. So roll all that together, and freight is is a, a big deal. Um, there's a lot of areas. So, for example, uh, Mozambique, and South Africa, you know, around the Cape, are both um, descending into revolution. Possibly. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so no one's going to dock anywhere in those areas and it leads to much greater chances of piracy and things like that there's there's hot spots like that uh no one wants to go anywhere on the middle east right now because ships keep blowing up seriously so strange uh, yeah and insurance costs have gone way way up for these things so insurance is another reason why because of these global hot spots
2: holy stromboli okay so we have sorry no, I know that was
0: like seven or eight things but no, that's why but,
2: but, yeah, but it's good to know because like like again this is my example I, I go to buy a printer and I'm like okay here's my example I used to go into an office supply store a couple of years ago well before COVID and I would get so frustrated because they have all these we sell all these computers and they never had one in stock so that's pre-COVID and I would get kind of irritated at that I'm like huh don't tell me you have something and you don't have it now it happened to me again with the printer goes yeah we don't have any at all I'm like why I finally just said why why do you put out that you that you're selling something you and you don't have it and he said well right now supply line I'm like okay 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 I get it I get it (laughs) I'm gonna give you a break on that one sir so, yep. um, the next one I really want to talk about, I'm serious, Dan is so is the best guest, because he comes with a great outline. Um, the quality of crops, and the reason why I'm excited to talk about this, and we have, gosh, let me look, about yeah, 10 minutes to hit on this. And, and, and whatever we don't cover, we're going to take it into the after show. Um, we're going to talk about quality of crops in just a moment, because you talked about this. When we had our last show with you last September, it was one of the... Uh Uh-oh, it could be happening. We have such a stress being put on our crops, and the next crop season needs to be awesome. And it's not looking that way, folks. But let me, before, I'm going to tease you with that because I want to talk about our last sponsors here. Numana Foods. Get them. If you have listened thus far... Look up New Mana Foods. You can find all of our sponsors at prepping2-0.com. Click on friends and affiliates. Great folks over there. They specialize in bulk, freeze-dried food, organic, gluten-free, all of those specialty sort of diets. Um. Yeah, seems important now, doesn't it? <laughs> Use the word prep, lowercase, at checkout, and you get ten percent off. Other great folks that we want to um, do a quick shout out to. We were, you were just speaking of steel having. There's a sh- huge shortage in the steel industry. Katie Armor, C A T I Armor specializes in steel body armor for the average joe american and so when you see the political unrest in the cities that we're having with people just kind of pulling you out of your car or attacking your home uh, steel body plates could be very helpful um and who knows how much longer we may be able to get them whether there be a shortage or whether our government takes that right away um, again you can find them over on our website use the term grant g-r-a-n-t at check and you get 10 percent Off your order another great folks Backwoods Home magazine I talked about this recently I'm I am almost done packing up our entire house Um, just packed up recently the whole stack of Backwoods Home magazine and I went down memory lane a little bit I love them every issue is a great resource and we keep them all because it's a great repository of information. encourage you to check them out. Look at Backwoods Home Magazine. Use the discount code 6, the digit 6-O-F-F. You get $6 off your subscription. So, quality of crops. All I have in my outline here that Dan wrote to me, not great. (laughs) What (laughs) what does that mean, Dan? Uh,
0: It it just means that uh, the quality of crops is not great. You want to move on to the next thing?
2: Well... Oh,
0: okay. I'm joking. Okay. I'm joking. Yes, please. No,
2: please. J- please expand on that. Okay. Yes.
0: So this is a multifaceted thing, but this is something that I was concerned about uh, over a year ago mm-hmm. when we did the first interview mm-hmm. uh, back last spring, because we've had several back-to-back years of poor qualities, particularly in cereals. Um, and, and it's just, my goodness, this year was just atrocious. Mm-hmm. So. The, the breadbasket of America had uh, some pretty rough weather, so we'll talk about kind of the Great Plains first. Uh, Texas was and remains abnormally cold. Uh, we are, here in Texas, most of the state has remained five to eight degrees below normal. Um, I think the hottest I've seen in my corner of the state is 94 degrees this year, and we're halfway through July at the time of this recording. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the freeze was a big thing. So the southern Great Plains was abnormally cold and, and got a lot of rain. Just, j- just an insane amount of rain. We had months where we got triple to quadruple our, our typical rainfall. So planting in the southern Plains didn't happen uh, until later. A lot of crops, particularly uh, wheat, just sat in the field and rotted because it couldn't be harvested. Mm-hmm. Um, hay cuttings. And things like that for your smaller ranchers and that type of thing, uh, you know, they're not getting three cuttings. They might get one. If they're lucky, they'll get two. So there's a lot of pressures like that in the southern Great Plains that have affected things uh, very negatively. In the northern Great Plains, it's the exact opposite. Um, the Dakotas recently had uh, a heat wave come through where they were over 100 degrees, and they've been extremely dry extremely Mm -hmm. dry.
2: I can attest to this, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you've got much colder than average in the south, uh, much warmer than average in the north, and essentially reversed rainfall patterns Mm -hmm. uh, that that really have been pretty consistent throughout the entire year. Um, And so you've just got your crop plantings are are not in ideal circumstances. They may be planted way late. You may not be able to even harvest them at all. Mm-hmm. So really what we're seeing is soybeans and corn are way down. The numbers are terrible. Um, wheat is actually, it's doing okay, um, as far as the, the just the pure numbers, just the volume, but the quality is just atrocious. Mm-hmm. The quality of wheat is just terrible. Um, I hope that everyone goes to AgWeb, AgWeb.com, and looks at these things at least every week or two. Great source of information on kind of the macro scale crops and that type of thing. But um, So wheat's the one thing that's actually doing okay volume-wise, and China is, at, is ordering about 60% more wheat than they normally do. <laughs> so yes, it's a pretty good year for that one thing, but... China is outbidding everyone and buying it up pretty quickly and China doesn't care so much about the quality of it. Um, in the U S we have fairly strict, uh, uh, standards as to what constitutes human consumption quality wheat, well, China really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so my concern with wheat going forward is just that the quality of wheat that, that American food manufacturers demand is just not going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's going to be too many bidders for too little supply. Um, the USDA numbers, they put out numbers on um, what they believe the quality of crops is like. And it's its pretty laughable, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look at those numbers, but they're never right. <laughs> they're just never right. What? They're always very, very optimistic. I'll put it that way. Um, so I, I know that's shocking to everyone that... Um, that the USDA might possibly not uh, give you the exact truth as it is, but you can look at their numbers and just assume that they're probably 10 to 20% inflated, uh, as far as quality is concerned. So, um, and even things that you might not think about, uh, in the great plains, like the, the great plains from the Gulf of Mexico, all the way up into Canada produces a lot of, um, of honey, for example. Right. Uh, I know here, here in Texas, we, Texas produces, yeah, six, to 9 million pounds of honey per year, and best estimates I've seen is that Texas produced a max of 2 million pounds this year, Um, way, way down. Uh, The northern states, especially the Dakotas, uh, where most of American honey is produced, by the way, North and South Dakota, Mm -hmm. um, at least what's sold uh, on on a retail level, that it's going to be, they'll they'll be lucky to get 30% of their normal production. Um, wow. So the Great Plains have been really messed up, and it's really been primarily due to some very abnormal weather conditions that are just compounding. They seem to be compounding year right. over year.
2: Well, um, well, we know certain s- certain people in a certain political bent will claim, oh, see, they'll take this and say climate change, and oh my gosh, we, now we need to politicize that. And 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 then that it's like a big loop because what you're talking about leads us right back to where we were in the, the very beginning of the show is um, Internet on, on of these on these uh, just decrepit crops here just in the United States, the demand for them is not it was already there and and vibrant and now we have these now new uh, circumstances that the demand even for the cruddy stuff is that much more.
0: Yes. Ooh. Yes. That's insane. Absolutely.
2: So I'm going to start a topic we only have about a minute but I I'd love to hear just your summation maybe and we can take it into the after show. What's life like in the whole protein business? Beef, chicken, yeah. pork, yeah.
0: Yeah, the, a lot of that remains to be seen. It, it's kind of um, stumbled along as is. Costs are certainly rising because grain costs are rising. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that remains to be seen based on when the cereal grains are kind of finalized. When those harvests are actually in, fully in, then we'll have a much better picture of what we're looking at. Because those prices are going to directly uh, correspond to protein prices. And protein prices, they, they went down for a little while, but they're they are creeping oh, back yeah. up now.
2: Oh, they're going up a lot. Uh,
0: yeah. So you're going to start seeing my, my best guess, and I will say this is a guess, is that when the cereal crops are finally in uh, and we see what we're actually dealing with, that the protein prices at that point are going to go back up. But here's the thing, you can feed a pound of grain to a human being and they get so much sustenance out of it. It's going to take a lot of pounds of that same grain to get one pound of protein. So when you start seeing those stresses in the system when it comes to cereals, uh, on on a macro level, governments of the world would far rather feed their people a pound of grain than to use six, seven, eight pounds of grain to produce a pound of beef.
2: So we're going to stop you. So protein
0: is always a weakness.
2: I'm going to stop you right there, folks. Join us in the after show. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everyone.
1: You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com.